closer to the end, but not quite there yet. Uh, today we are going to be finishing the uh, 20th chapter of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, you can already start to uh, turn towards that place. Um, but, you know, as we start out, um, well, actually, let's, let's pray. That's, that's always the best thing to do. So, Lord God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. We take a moment and, um, God, I stand before you and, um, you know, I say that I need you. So, Lord, it's my prayer that as we look into your word, that what you tell us would be true, that your word would speak to us. That as it is living, that is is God breathed, that it is your word. And each of us reads it for ourselves that you would speak. That you would speak to each person here. And Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that we enjoy. We thank you for uh, just the ability for us to be here and gather. Holy Spirit, come. Won't you teach us more about who Jesus is? We thank you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're continuing in our book of Luke. And if you're just joining us or, you know, it's been a a long time that we've been here. So uh, I always like to give a, a, a brisk reminder that that this book of the Bible is written by Dr. Luke. He's writing his friend Theophilus, and he's trying to tell him all about the life of Jesus and and really give him all these great details that that he has um, researched and kind of compiled, you know, and he's written this amazing letter, which we look at as a book. And uh, now we're we're in this part of his story of, of the life of Jesus uh, where things are beginning to turn. It's beginning to move towards this climax. And uh, Jesus, in his ministry, he has been going around. He has been healing and uh, casting out evil spirits. He has been preaching the gospel, the good news. And now he's at this point where in, in chapter 19, we see that he is firmly making a stand and he's calling out the leaders, he's calling out the people in the temple, in the church, and he, he's throwing out, exposing, he's exposing this evil things that are going on. And so you can imagine that as he's really stirring it up, now the leaders are just intensified in, in their desire to, to get rid of him, right? And the, the people at this time, they were under Roman occupation. So you had this big Roman government overseeing all kinds of different people. And then within that, we had, uh, you know, this group of people. We had the Jewish people that were, had their own leaders. And it was kind of like a delegation where it's like the Roman government is like, okay, we got a lot to worry about. Keep your people in check. As long as things are okay, then, you know, it's okay, right, to some degree. And so we see these, these leaders within the community, and they're trying to come after Jesus, but they're unsuccessful. 
Last week, Pastor Toby uh, spoke to us about how they really challenge, you know, they ask Jesus these questions, trying to trap him. Specifically says even they're trying to trap him uh, in these kind of debates and, and saying, you know, where does your authority come from? And, and Jesus, he just flips it on them. And, and is, in a lot of ways, is like, you know what, you don't want to talk to, you don't want to answer me straight. I'm not going to answer you either. And so they have all these kind of engagements here. And, and now we look at, um, you know, after the Pharisees, the, the kind of leaders have come and, and presented some questions to Jesus, and Jesus kind of quiets them, and, and they're like, okay, you know, we're not going to say anything else. Now another group of people comes forward. And so we, today we're in Luke 20, 27 to 47. And verse 27, I'm just going to read that, that one verse by itself, and then uh, we'll, we'll explain some of it. But it says, 27 says, Some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Now, who are the Sadducees? They're kind of the second biggest group of, of the religious leaders uh, at that time. And, um, and what they were kind of focused on is, is the now. They're looking at, you know, what do we have now? Uh, you know, that's what's important. Like, we're not, they, like it says, they do not believe that there's a resurrection. They're looking at, okay, just what's going on now in my life, you know, that's what it's all about. And so if you're ever wondering, okay, wait, there's the Pharisees, there's the Sadducees. I heard this a long time ago, and it stuck, so maybe it will stick with you. Jenny's kind of laughing because she may know what I'm going to say, but, you know, you want to know the difference, Right. These guys, they didn't believe in life after death, right? So they were sad, you see. Uh, so the Sadducees, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, thank you. I need that, that but um, bump, right? Uh, but they, uh, you know, I, I kind of question, like, why are they even coming to Jesus? Because their lives were okay. You know, they had position, you know, they, um, you know, their lives were pretty good. They had the respect. They uh, were, you know, not in uh, need of anything, and yet they're coming to Jesus and, and challenging him. You know, I wonder if they were just worried about him gaining uh, influence, if they're worried about him kind of gaining momentum and the claims that he's making. You know, maybe he's going to take away some of our influence. Maybe he's going to do something towards us next. But whatever the case, um, <clears throat> you know, they, they come up to him and they begin to, to try and challenge him. Well, last, uh, this past week, uh, last Wednesday, you know, I had to phone into a voicemail. And actually, every day of last week, I was phoning into this voicemail after 5 p.m. <clears throat> Some of you already know what, um, you know, I had to do. Uh, but I had to call in to see if I needed to report for jury duty. And um, I've served, uh, you know, or I've reported several times in L.A. County. And uh, I've, I've been, um, you know, on a case once. Uh, and so I know what to expect kind of L.A. County, but this is my first time serving in Orange County. And uh, Wednesday I called in, and sure enough, it said Thursday, you know, you got to show up from 8.30 uh, to 5 p.m. And I thought, okay. Um, I looked at, you know, where's the courthouse? I was, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's in Newport on Jamboree. And, and so I looked at my map, and I said, hey, that's not too far from me. That's a lot better drive than going into downtown L.A., so... This is already looking okay, um, and, um, you know, you learn something new. So I rushed like crazy to get down there, and then I got there, and then I waited for like half an hour to get through the security line. So 
Um, I, I guess you could come a little bit late, and it's okay, but don't take my word for it. But that was my experience. Uh, so anyways, go into this kind of holding room where you're waiting to get assigned to a case to see if they uh, you know, want you to be a juror, right? And so I was thinking, man, this is great. They got Wi-Fi. I got a table seat. I'm going to get a bunch of work done today. Because uh, I had times in L.A. County where I just sat all day long in the room till afternoon. They're like, you know what, there's nothing for you to do. Go home. So I thought, this is great. It's like study hall in school, right? <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, I got on the Wi-Fi fine, but then some people next to me, they're like, oh, you got on? You know, I'm having trouble. You know, the lady told me something with my, you know, security. I'm like, oh, man, all right, let me help you. So I was helping this, uh, this girl next to me because she had an assignment to turn in. And, and right when we started to kind of, I think we got it to work, then they called my number. They're like, go, you know, to this courtroom. So I was like, oh, man, all right. Um, but, you know, this is a, it was a criminal case. And, uh, you know, I, it was very painful for me all day long because I just sat there waiting to get called up to be interviewed. Never happened. And so I endured just listening, 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 and not being able to do anything. So I got zero work done. But Sorry, I'm ranting a little bit. But, uh, you know, the, the point is that, that the thing that really struck me that I forgot since it's been a while since the last time I was uh, in a courtroom was, you know, the, the judge and then the attorneys, they were speaking to everyone, you know, like they were, you know, reminded me of like, I don't know, second grade or something. They're like, all right, everyone. Now, in America, you are innocent until proven guilty, you know. And then they'd go to the next person. Do you understand what that means, that you are innocent? And I was like, oh, my goodness, what is going on, right? But they would give these examples, and as we got deeper into it, then they started talking about all these different things, like, oh, there's direct evidence, there's circumstantial evidence, and they would give these examples, like, uh, you know, if, if you looked outside and you saw rain, that's direct evidence, and you would say, it's raining, right? <laughs> now, if you're inside and someone comes in the door and they have a raincoat on and an umbrella and they're just drenched wet, then you might think, oh, it must be raining outside, and that's like circumstantial or kind of indirect evidence, right? And both are valid in court, and they're trying to explain all this stuff, right? And so they... And then, you know, that wasn't enough, so they gave another example. And then maybe, you know, there's like a cookie jar example. And then there's another example. And then they just kept going on and on. And I was like, all right, we get the point. Like, why are you doing this? And then they asked someone about it, and they were like, I don't understand. You know, and then I was like, okay, that's why they're doing this, right? So that's kind of what's happening here in some ways is, is that these people are coming up to Jesus and they, they present this situation that's hypothetical to them, okay? So you can read with me in 28. It says, Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, so there's no heir, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second, and then the third married her, and the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Right? 
So they, they wanted to stump Jesus. They're like, let's give him this case study. Um, you know, this is this example. Let's see what he says, right? Because if he's going to say, hey, there's an afterlife, there's a resurrection, then what's he going to say? You know, I, I imagine like if he says, oh, yeah, you know, well, it's technically it's all of their wives. You, you know, there's like, okay, so uh, in heaven it's going to be like polygamy. You know, is that what is that what God set it up? It, you know, is that what you're saying, Jesus, that God set up this system so we'd have all these weird things in the next uh, next life, you know, in the next age, uh, if you will. Um, to understand this, to kind of understand the, you know, when they quote Moses, they're saying, hey, Moses set up these instructions. Moses told us, like, this is what we should do. And part of that is because in their culture in that time, right, women had no rights. So only the men could hold land. Only the men would have property. Only the men, you know. So a woman had to be attached to a man. So you can imagine that if you have someone who is a widow and she doesn't have a son or doesn't have, you know, family that's, you know, kind of taken her in, then she's basically homeless. She's just out on her own. Didn't matter what she was before. Now she is pretty much helpless. You know, that's why when we read the Bible, we see such a strong emphasis on, you know, a term together a lot as widows and orphans, right? Because they are both in this helpless position. Um, and so that was the solution was that, okay, if you had this couple and the, the man dies, then if that man had a brother, then the woman would, would be given in marriage to the brother. And the brother, uh, if they produce a son, that, that firstborn son would technically be like, uh, the the deceased brother's son, and so all the property, all the you know, all that would transfer to him, and he would be able to take care of the mother, you know, all that. It was just it was set up to take care of the people, right? But these uh, these Sadducees, they they bring this example, this uh, kind of case study that is really puzzling. Uh, some scholars think this is something that they probably would toss around to the Pharisees. And be like, oh, you guys believe in this? Well, solve this problem. You know, what do you say about this? Um, and so Jesus, you know, he he kind of, he just uh, twists things on them. I, I Last night I thought of an example. Uh, I hope you'll track with it. But let's get this picture um, of the, the woman on the edge. So... So it's kind of like they, they come, like this woman, this is part of a movie, I'll show you a clip in a second, but she's on the edge of this like roof, okay, I imagine it's like 200 feet, so she's going to, they're telling her, hey, you want to be kind of in the clan, you want to be in the club, you got to jump off this, and that's the way in, that's the entrance into this next portion of your life, you're, right now you're like nothing, but if you join us, then you know, you'll be attached to us, right? And so I was thinking, it's kind of like they come and they're like, you know what? She's jumping off. She's obviously going to splatter, right? But how much force? You know, it's 200 feet. She's 120 pounds. How much force is it going to be when she hits the bottom? And they have this equation. I don't understand any of that. I just Googled it. It may not even <laughs> apply, but it seemed legit. So I just put it up there. And, and uh, you know, so it's kind of like the Sadducees bring this problem to Jesus, and they're like, wait, but what if she had breakfast and lunch? Or maybe she was super hungry. She ate a bunch of mochi, and, uh, and then she had, you know, two cheeseburgers. Well, how much force would she hit then? You know, and they bring this question 
And then Jesus is like, wait, 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 wait. Now let's show the video. Today, initiate. you get pushed that's a yeah. cut there so you know in this movie this girl she's going through this initiation process right and like we said it's 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 almost like we can imagine if we're posing this question of well how much force is she going to hit how much you know whatever and we're they're kind of bringing this question of like well what's it going to be and it's like no you totally don't understand she's not going to hit the ground Right? There's a net there. It's just going to be this entrance place, and, and it's a totally different thing. It's not even close to what you think. Right? And so Jesus, in 34, he says, no, you don't get it. Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of taking part in the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they can no longer die. For they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. So he kind of gives this two-part answer. You know, first of all, he says, you guys are kind of asking the wrong question. Like, you're thinking about this question as if life just continued on the same as it is now. The way they understood it was there was this age and the age to come. It's like this difference between, you know, right now we're in a fallen world and and later on it's really going to be God's kingdom. His domain will be over everything, right? And so... Jesus says, you totally are asking the wrong question. Your question doesn't even apply because it's going to be so different, right? In this time, we have, you know, these um, relationships. We have these rules. We have these laws. We have these things that we go by. We understand how life is in this time. And in this time, that system makes sense, that this question you have we already know the answer because Moses helped us out. He said, you know what? Take care of the widow, right? But your question does not make sense when you think about it in the age to come because we, there's no longer death. There's no longer need for procreation. Not in any way does he say that's the only reason for marriage. But, you know, there are just, it's just different. And the thing that we know about heaven, about you know, what is in store for us is that it's better. It's so much better than what we experience now. Right? I know that's hard to grab. I mean, I think we say that all the time, right? But it's really better. 
Like last night, I, I picked up my son from his basketball practice, and, um, you know, he likes chicken nuggets, so I picked him up some chicken nuggets, and I also got myself a, a, a burger there. And it's like, if I had a burger, and it was, it was, you know, it was okay, like, and I ate it, and I was like, man, that's a hamburger. It's so good. And someone was telling me, you should try this handmade burger that, that I'm going to barbecue. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, yeah, it's okay. My, my McDonald's is quick. It's easy. It's, it's good. You know, that's what I know, right? If I never try that better burger, I just won't know, right? And that's kind of the way that I think about a lot of things when we think about the age to come. It's like we may imagine, we may think, yeah, that should be better or it probably tastes better, but we only know what we've experienced here, right? Heaven is going to be better in, you know, every way that there's going to be just abounding joy. You know, we think about it, and we know that, that some things will cease, like, like there's no longer going to be any sun because there's just going to be that radiance of glory. There's not going to be a need for a physical sun to light up everything, right? It will be different. And I know that can sound um, kind of odd and, and, you know, all this, but I just want to point out that, that Jesus is making a point. He's like, you know what? If you live your life and you're thinking that I'm on this edge and I'm, I'm being told that, hey, to enter in, I'm going to, everyone's going to jump. We're going to jump through. If you're thinking on the other end of that hole is just cement, then that's rough. You're going to live your life one way, right? But if you know that, hey, there's going to be this net and beyond that net, there's all my other people are there waiting for me to, to make this jump, you know, then that's a very different experience, right? And so in verse 39, this, when we saw these Sadducees, they brought this case to Jesus, and Jesus, he flips it up, and he, he even tells them, um, you know, that, that, you know, you guys don't believe in the resurrection. Well, you know, you respect Moses. Moses talked about it because... Uh, he used the example that, that God is, you know, this, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He speaks to them as they're alive, not dead, right? And so in 39, you know, it's, I, I think it's kind of it's funny. It's like the Pharisees are, are saying, you know, so some of the teachers of the law responded, well said, teacher, and no one dared to ask him any more questions, right? They're like, man, that's a good one. <laughs> oh, man, we didn't think of that. That was a good one, you know? And then in the, in the rest of 20, um, you know, very briefly, there's kind of these two other sections. In 41, uh, you know, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Why is it said that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself declares in the book of Psalms, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at the right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. David calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? While all the people are listening, Jesus said this to his disciples. So that part, you know, I, I, I told you that, that things are, are turning. They're getting towards this climax. And Jesus is, is more and more, he's speaking plainly. He's being clear that, about who he is. The people are looking for Messiah. And they know that he's going to be a son of David. He's going to be a descendant of David. That's what they're looking for, right? And Jesus points them out to Psalm 110. And, and in this, he's saying, okay, we know the Messiah is going to be son of David. Look at Psalm 110. You know what else the Messiah is going to be? It's going to be God. 
right? Because he says, look at Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, and for us to understand this, we need to know that first Lord is, is Yahweh. It's the name of God. And that second Lord is Adonai. It's like Lord. So he's saying, it's like he's saying, God the Father said to Jesus, or said to Messiah, hey, sit at my right hand. And the right hand to the throne, that's like the place, uh, the highest place of honor. It's like, you know, in a lot of situations, that right hand man had the same, you know, authority as a king. He could, he could act on behalf of the king, right? And he's saying, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And there's this old, you know, Egyptian uh, image. You can show that um, where this is uh, enemies or, or people that, that the pharaoh, you know, didn't like. And, and it shows him using them as his footstool. Um, that was something that, that I read that, that they might bring in a conquered king and make him come down and, and they would, the king would you know, put his feet on him kind of to visibly show, hey, I defeated you. I've got power over you. You're like my furniture. You know, it was this degrading kind of thing. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. And he makes this point saying that, that King David is talking about the Messiah as his Lord, not as his subordinate, not as his son, not as you know someone that is coming after him like that, but as his Lord. And so he puts that in their head that, hey, you know what? Not only is it a son of David, not only is it going to be a man, but it's going to be God. And then he kind of finishes, Luke finishes off this chapter with Jesus telling his, uh, his disciples and it says, um, you know, it's like he tells them this, but the people are listening. You know, you ever been with, with some other people and someone's talking about someone else, but you know, like, hey, they can hear you. You know, like, it's kind of like that kind of thing. And, and Jesus is saying, beware of the teachers of the law, these Pharisees. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues in the places of honor at banquets, they devour widows' houses, and for a show they make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So he's, uh, again, he's firmly placing, you know, where he's at. Who he is, who's for him, who's against him, he's making it very known. And so this, this tension is really, really building. Um, and, and in the next weeks, we're going to really see how that, that comes to climax. And, and that's really uh, exciting because that's the reason why we're here today is because of all this that's going on. But I want to go back and, and close with, with kind of that, that first example that, that we talked about. You could show that, that image. I mean, we see there's two pictures that she's on the edge, that all these others are there because if you've seen the, the film – you know, it's this kind of initiation, and there's this point where they're told, hey, you got to jump in. And everyone's just looking at that hole thinking, are you serious? You know, is this a trick? Is this for real? You know, we got to jump in this hole. And they're saying, well, who's going to be first? Someone's got to go first. And you know that after the first one goes, and they're all going to see, oh, that was a bad idea, you know, or, oh, that worked out okay, right? And so this girl, the main character, she volunteers to be first. But... But you can see, like, 
the thing that I that really struck me is like the Sadducees, you know, what you believe will really affect the way that you live. Truly. It changes how you live. It changes the types of questions that you ask in life and the types of questions that just get stuck and even hold you back, right? For all those people there, if they're unsure, if their faith isn't solid, if they don't believe that, hey, our leaders are telling us we're going to jump, it's safe. It's challenged, but it's safe, and it's going to be better on the other side. If they don't have that kind of faith, the truth is they probably won't ever jump unless they're forced to. A few weeks ago, uh, in closing, I, I want to, you know, a few weeks ago, um, I was I was asked right after New Year uh, to visit someone in the hospital, and it wasn't somebody that I knew, but we had kind of uh, mutual friends, and, and so I said, you know what, sure, let me see if I have some time to go down and just say hi. And and I imagine I made many many hospital visits and seen many people um, kind of near the end of their life, and just thought, well, I'll offer what I can and pray. And, you know, that's what, how I imagine. And uh, probably be kind of brief, and, and that's it, because I don't really know them. But, uh, you know, I went, and um, and before going, I just, you know, pr- I always pray, you know, God, help me to uh, really be your representative, to, to uh, bring comfort, ask that your spirit would be with me, and, and so on. And, and when I went, it was really um, a joy. Uh, it was, um, I mean, it was heartbreaking because, the man I met, Dr. Sam, he, um, you know, he had been healthy his lot his whole life, and then had some complications. Went in to the hospital and found out he has a very aggressive stage four cancer already throughout his whole body. And um, and I got to talk to him, and, and being someone, he's a, a educator, a pharmacist for 48 years, and. Uh, just, you know, watching him interact with the doctors, getting to hear his life story and just talking to him. It was just a, an amazing time. And for me, I spent the first day, I spent like three or four hours just sitting there talking to him and, and uh, helping him when I could and uh, listening to all the nurses come by and doctors come by and give reports. And, and it was just amazing to me uh, because he had uh, just a piece about him and, uh, you know, as I talked to him, I, I began to hear how, you know, his whole life he had grown up, kind of been in a Presbyterian church a little bit as a child, but then grown up, you know, not going to church, not, you know, having a faith of his own. But when he was waiting to be admitted into the emergency room, then one of his family members was there and talking to him and encouraging him. And in that emergency room, he accepted the Lord. And that changed things for him. You know, he had a lot of, he had questions, he had a lot of questions, but he had hope. His questions were all about, you know, you know, helping him to, to transition. And, you know, uh, and it was, it was really uh, a blessing for me to hear him talk about his life, to see, you know, a peace and, and how he uh, really did his best to, to deal with all these, you know, new reports coming in and, and different questions being you know, given to him. And and the thing that, that I left with, you know, only knowing him a few weeks, um, he passed away last Sunday, uh, early last Sunday morning, um, was just that, man, he 
was able to, to face you know, that final jump in life with peace, with confidence, you know, and with a hope. And that's something that, that I hope that I will also be able to do. That when we think about, when we face, you know, those final moments of our life, uh, you know, will we have that, that peace, that comfort, knowing that, you know what, I have faith that on the other side of this jump is even better. It's even better. So let's close there. Uh, our weekly challenge is to read Luke 19 and 20. I think it's important to see, you know, these two chapters together. Uh, read Luke 19 and 20. What do you observe? How do you, you know, how does Jesus respond to these challenges? I think it's important because he really, he, he doesn't do anything, uh, you know, weird. He doesn't, he just responds in holiness, right? That's what we know about him. And... Um, and then grow. Take a moment to consider what do you believe about Jesus? Because everything in here, he's, he's making some, some pretty bold claims now, right? So what do you believe about Jesus? And do you feel like you act or you live according to what you say you believe? Are you confident to jump from this life into the next or into, you know, our eternity? And then overflow. Pray about a way you can encourage someone this week. You know, maybe a note, a gift, act of service, uh, etc. Sometimes the smallest acts of care can change a person's day. I mean, really. Um, I've had days where I noticed just walking, you know, somewhere. And, you know, I just walking, you're just walking down. And then someone passes you. And most, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of people, you know, probably like myself, we just walk and you just have a, you know, blank face. Or maybe you kind of look down. But every now and then you see someone that you come by there and they just smile. And you're like, whoa, do I know you or something? Like, you know, they just smile and you're like, wow. The smallest thing could really change someone's day. So, uh, you know, how are you able to overflow? Uh, worship team, you guys can come back up. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you because you've given us your word that you haven't left us in the dark. You haven't um, left us on the, the edge of a, a building and just said, hey, jump, find out what happens. Uh, you have told us what happens. You have told us that, hey, if we follow you, if we confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, then we have a hope. We have a future. We have eternity that is so much better than what we experience now. And that's hard for us to grasp, to understand, to even imagine. But you've given us that promise that, that hey, that, that if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, man, it's going to be so much better on the other side of eternity. So Lord, help us to, to really think about what we believe. And that this week, Lord, that, that you would help us to, to begin to, to, to reconcile those things, that, that the way that we live, the way that we act, the way that we think 
is in line with what we say we believe, particularly about you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Again, it's my prayer that that each person here would hear your word, that you would speak to them. And Lord, that they would know how much you love them, how precious they are to you, and that they would be able to hold on to the grasp to, to hold hope, knowing that you are their God and that you have such amazing plans for their life and for their eternity. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.